Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the single greatest podcast that has ever been created in the history of Gene Roddenberry's left frontal lobe. This is, of course, Star Trek Jugerations, where myself and my co-host take questionable episodes of Star Trek, and we don't slate them, we don't tear them to pieces, we just give them a little zhuzh, we just give them a little zhuzh, see what it would take to tidy them up. Unless, of course, you're like me, and I go mad one week, and I write a full novel series, and (laughs) have to be reminded that, like, there is such a thing as a budget. My name is Sean Ferrick, you might know me from such things as Trek culture, and of course, your nightmares. And joining me, as always, is the wonderful, the incredible, the slightly... Iridescent, Jack Tracy. How are you, Jack? Alamarine, bitches. <laughs> Best response Alamarine. ever. Alamarine. Alamarine. Oh my god, this oh. episode. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Jack Tracy, uh, uh, professional homosexual, and uh, we are here to talk about Move Along Home, the shoots and ladders of the Star Trek universe. Um, we're gonna get all the way to that third chat, baby. All the way. And um, I can't wait. You know, there are actually good things about this episode. There are actually good I, things. Mm, I actually, I, th- this has, as I have grown up, mm-hmm. I, I must have taken in things from other media that maybe I'm putting onto this episode. And it is nowhere near as bad as, say, the reputation it right. has. Nowhere near. But then you go on Memory Alpha and you look at like the, the behind the scenes stuff and they all loved this episode. It like, was silly. Like, it was a, well, well, yeah, mm. yeah. Okay, mm. we we'll get, get into it because you're right. There's there's a lot of interesting stuff behind the scenes on this one. I would say this is now the fourth one we have done. I would say this was the most watchable of the four we've done. Well, no, Subrosa because you know Ghost Candle Sex. It's got to be. Like, it's got to be Subrosa. But yes, I'll put this at number great. two. And this is number two. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. So before we let's do. So we have decided between the two of us off camera, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that we're going to speed through these plot summaries because we're, we're kind of treating this as if you haven't seen this episode. If you listen to this podcast, you have seen every episode. So let's just breeze through the plot summary real quick, just to make sure we're all on the same page, and then we can just really dive into what we liked and what we didn't like. Sean, take us take us through. Grant, okay, here's my elevator pitch for this episode. We get to meet our first new race from the Gamma Quadrant, the Wadi. They arrive on the station. They are games masters. Not the first new. Not the first new. Not the first new. Hunter and the Tusk. Tusk is the first one. Mm-hmm. This God. is the first official first contact from the Gamma Quadrant. Do you know, do you know what we got to do? We, we don't edit that out. I own my mistakes on this podcast. We, 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 we leave that in. All Alan right. Rain, so. Rain. Alamorain, Alamorain. All right, so the uh, the second, you know, the ones no one gives a crap about, the Wadi, turn up on the station and they are the games masters. They arrive and they ask for Quark, which makes Cisco just basically shudder with fear. They arrive down in Quark's, Quark tries to cheat them at Dabo because he's Quark. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, yeah, we have a different game. And they produce the game Chula. And they set the pieces up on the board. Quark thinks he's having a great time. And the next thing, slightly confusing, Ben Sisko wakes up in a room. And we don't really know what's going on. As it turns out, Sisko, Dax, Kira and Bashir have taken the place of Quark's pieces on the board. They have been transported to this other dimension, if you like, where the game takes place. Odo becomes aware that they are missing from the station, which raises the stakes of the game slightly. And they must play through... In a slightly unclear, is Quark playing or are they playing? And what's um, the game and what? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so the game is Chula, um, and that is pretty much all we're told about the game. Yeah. Collections of gemstones are being handed over. Quark seems to be doing well for a while. Then he doesn't, and then Bashir gets zapped. Uh, we will spend time on Alamorain. Don't you worry about that. Everyone has heard Alan Moraine somewhere. Like, there are the two greatest, most frightening tunes ever written. Mm. One is Alan Moraine, count to four, Alan Moraine, three, three, four, um, which, of course, is number one. Number two being, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Because you get the same feeling of dread every right. time you hear this. Isn't there a, ch- I don't watch horror, isn't there a Children of the Corn song, too? Don't they do something? I'm... It, it actually, Children of the Court, that's one I've not seen. I've read okay. the story, but I've not I actually seen, seen because it. it's like 150 films. Right. No, the Alamarine thing is hella creepy. And I really wish, because they tried to do it with a couple camera angles, I wish they really would have le- leaned into the creepy. 
They they like half funny. You should say that creepy. Anyway, um, take it. Funny you should say that, Jack. Right. So yeah, they they arrive in a room full of smoke. They, they so they the players they are clearly the ones figuring out the clues. So. Yes, Quark is standing by a board and everyone's making a lot of noise, but they're not actually doing anything. Uh, there was a great scene where um, Fallow, who is the head of the Wadi, says, right, you got to sacrifice one of your pieces. And Armin Jimmerman just brings the house down with this begging scene. He gets down his hands and knees, begs them not to make him make this choice. And they say, that's fine. We'll choose for you. They're like, sorry, what? Uh, in the game then, this is represented with Bashir has been vaporized, Dax doesn't break her leg but is injured and so can't move on and the next thing they all fall off their cliff and they arrive in Quark's bar and the Wadi are looking at everyone like they've got two heads going what's your problem it's a game and the joke has been on us the whole time uh, nice to see the chain of command uh, set back uh, from the rock face that is certainly that's what that is Oh god! Oh yeah! This is this is definitely planet hell. And, or, well, you know, and, well, like, but also, like I think they were filmed right around like that's right around the same time. It would be yeah, because obviously yeah, season six of TNG. Mm-hmm. You're right. That's filming concurrently with, with season, season one. one. Actually, you're even more right. I was doing a pod on TNG season six last night. Ship in a bottle. That's such a great show. Was the first episode to air after Emissary. So it would be, you're right. And ship, sorry, Ship of the Bottle being the follow-up to Chain of Command. Not the follow-up, but the next episode after Chain of Command. Yeah, yeah you're right. So it's certainly extremely similar. Um, oh, you're absolutely right, yeah. You know, the one thing in our in the summary that we missed, which, which the reason that we I think we skipped over it is because it has nothing to do with the rest of the show, but is probably the best part with, with an asterisk, is... Jake and Cisco and their conversations knew, about like I knew you were gonna say that women yeah. and now they never really get into it, but there there is this I love Ben and Jake. I love their relationship. Yeah. You can tell it's Avery Brooks's favorite part of the show. Uh, he mm-hmm. loves playing with you know Cyrock Lofton and, and developing that Jake Ben relationship. It's great when they talk to each other. It's great. I love their chemistry. They do feel like a father and son. However. I find that Star Trek always writes adolescent boys like creepy old men. I don't know yep. many straight boys. Period. Okay. And then, end of sentence. End of sentence. <laughs> end of sentence. And then I don't remember from my childhood, like 12 and 13 year olds, like, we gotta go look at the girls. What are the girls doing? Mm, gotta go look at them. Like, I don't remember that sort of predatory. I don't remember that ever happening. Predatory. I, that's uh, a really good point. I don't remember like, that I, ever, ever happening in, like, guys would have crushes on girls and guys would like girls and guys would talk about girls, but I don't remember this sort of, like, grease, like, let's all hang out at the dick dock and watch the, the fish come in. Like, blah, blah, blah. Sorry for all that imagery. Jack, that is one of the most horrific sentences I've heard you say. Right. The dick dock right. and watch the fish come in. Because <laughs> I like, was thinking of it's, it from, it's like, so a... sad because I know exactly what you mean as you say that, and that is viscerally upset. Jake and Nog at the dick dock looking for fish, baby. Alamarine. Alamarine. It's so gross and weird. And then also, he doesn't get into it, but Ben Sisko does do a little bit like, you gotta treat a lady like this. And it's very dated. It's very like, uh, the, the whole like courtship, like, in order to acquire a female, you must, uh, you know. Well, at least the Ferengi are open about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that has nothing. I guess the only reason it exists in the show is one, Sirach Lofton needs to appear because Miles O'Brien isn't there, so they're already one person down. And two, I guess it's the thing that, like, Dad didn't wake up to tell me about pussy, so, uh, Odo, where is he? I guess that's it. You're writing down, Dad Sorry, didn't wake up to tell me about pussy. No, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to throw up. Um, <sighs> I have in it's not really a sport but I have this thing that we leave just I, I oh it's weird it's weird thinking this podcast <laughs> I'm conflating my other podcast um so yeah so that's the episode do you have any memories of like watching it in real time this one very I 
I could just tell you, I remember, and it's one of the ones that stuck with me, probably for all of the reasons that it gets completely ripped to shreds for these these days, the Alamo Rain song. I do remember the smoke room and the drink. Um, I remembered it as that's... it was happening. When it started, I was like, oh, I remember this. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I remember. Like, I love it. I, I, I genuinely love about the Alamo, because it's now infamous. So the Alamo Rain scene, I love the fact that Dax, you know, between them they figure it out. So Bashir figures out that it's the steps and Dax figures out that you have to say the words as well, right? Dax says nothing to anyone about how those words need to be delivered. She steps on and goes, Alan Moraine, count to four, Alan Moraine, then three more. And then you'll see, Alan Moraine, you'll come with me. Avery Brooks was having none of that nonsense. And all of his musical blues, everything just bursts out. Alamorain, count to four, Alamorain. I was like, I wonder, what, I wonder, what is this? I think maybe Terry Farrell just uh, is, can't sing and doesn't want to doesn't want to expose that. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, the kid couldn't sing, but ah, she tried. Um, but I was just like, I mean, Avery Brooks is making a different show to everybody else here. Oh. And he is having fun while doing it. He is having a really fun, and his stuff with the Wadi and his, now, the face tat iridescent costume, like, this is the first Gamma Quadrant. This is the first first contact. These fucking people. This, like, you'd think that in season one of the show, they'd be like, okay, so we got the wormhole. It's, you know, we had like a rando person come through. Now it's like, okay, this is the first first contact. We're finally getting the Gamma Quadrant. And they treat it like, you know, it's like some one-off stupid species we don't care about and we'll never see again. Like... Why wasn't it more of an event? It should have been more of an event for it to be the first. Yeah, kind of. Like, I think so. Like, I think, I wonder, because I know Emissary was expensive. Oh, yeah. Um, and it looked... And they, they put... It did. Like, it, it's one of the better looking pilots of Star Trek. I think it's the best pilot. Uh, I think it's the best pilot of Star Trek. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to rush to disagree with you. Um, like, I, it does everything it needs to do. But then, like, the problem is that they built this amazing set for the promenade and then they blew it up and had to rebuild it again. Um, so they were kind of running on a slight deficit of money. And so it's so, I mean, this is, this both is and isn't a bottle show because they had to build that set for the, the Chula game. And it looked all um, new. Like, I don't remember any of I those think so, yeah. sets. So, so... The things that I remember about this episode in real time, I, I don't remember this episode. I mean, I do remember like watching it and being like, "This is dumb," but um, I, I, I like, I very clearly remember the premiere of season one of Deep Space Nine. This was my like prime Star Trek years because I'm still I'm still playing with action figures. So like, I remember buying every single Deep Space Nine Playmates action figure, getting the Orinoco. I didn't have enough money to get the the Deep Space Nine from Playmates. Um, I remember all of that. I remember playing with, like, I remember playing with them in the backyard and, like, in, in my living room, in, in my bedroom, in my living room. Like, I remember toys when it comes to first season of Deep Space Nine because I'm still very much playing with toys. And I remember, I remember having enough, not having enough money to buy. I saw Dax in dress uniform at oh, that's right. a store that doesn't exist anymore. It was like a pre-Target Target. And they had one because they rarely ever had the female characters. And they had one and I didn't have the money. And so I put it on layaway along with a Bashir and something else. And I had to like pay it throughout the summer. Layaway doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. And paid... I know of it. Like I, yeah. Pay I know it throughout it the TV. summer until like, I think it was then in like August, I paid off the last payment and then got it. But like I, oh. so these are things that I remember from it very much toys, but this episode, so my gripes with this episode. So the things I like about this episode, Jake and Ben, um, um, Quark having a human moment. Odo's doing a great job. And I do love a featured day player role. I love that they sort of gave Odo this Starfleet security person to boss around. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I like a featured day player. That's fun. Um, because obviously that would have been O'Brien if, if, uh, Kalmini wasn't on, uh, vacation. Um, uh, yeah, so that's pretty much, and, and I think it wasn't until they went into the game that it became a bad episode. It started off as just like, oh, this is a, you know, a mediocre story of the week, all good acting, except for the fact that when they meet the Wadi, like, why is Jadzia even there? Because she literally has no lines. She's just standing there the whole time. Um, which is weird. So, anyway. But I was, you know, 
I was fine with the episode up until that point. Things I don't like. Um, I can't believe this was a David Carson episode because the directing in this episode I know, I saw it. I was so surprised horrific. to see that. Horrific. They have Kira acting fucking crazy. They have her being a character of herself. Like, she... Not a Visitor is probably my favorite part of Deep Space Nine. One of the most incredible characters. She is an incredible actress. I love Kira fucking Norris. And thank God, as though I love her very much, thank God Michelle Forbes said no to a series and that we have Kira Norris because of that. Because she is fucking incredible. Um, And they really do her dirty in this episode. They make, I'm a Bajoran, I'm a goddammit, yell, 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 I'm a Bajoran administrator. Like, what the f- Like, I liked that she was kind of wild in the first season, and she had an arc, but this was too much. Also, Bashir was being too- Also, I didn't pack my dress uniform. The fuck are replicators, Bashir? Replicate yourself a new dress uniform. This doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up because, like- there, there is this great thing of, is there a reason for Garrick to exist? Because they all t- they talk about, you know, putting Molly's clothes back into the replicator, things like that. So in general, obviously there is because money exists. Blah, 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 blah. But yeah, for a Starfleet officer, you probably have access to a replicator that can give you a dress uniform. Right. So for your uniform and your dress uniform, I agree. For, I do believe Garrick has a purpose because I bet you it's one of those things where it's like, sure... I can get, you know, airplane food, but like, yeah. I want, you know, I want the, the, I want a premium experience. Like there's something special. It's almost like, like there's something special about having your clothes made. It feels like, oh, this is like an old timey thing. This is cultural. This is, you know, whatever. So I think they're, they're, I, I, I get what you're saying, but that's how I've justified its existence in my mind in Star Trek. Like it's sort of like a custom cultural, like, oh, this is a cool thing. Um, uh, even though I don't need, it's more of a luxury uh, than a necessity yes. now. But but the directing is bad, bad, bad. And also, don't give us, don't give us uh, um, an episode where they all have to do a. Like, I like a game episode, but don't give us a game episode where I'm figuring it out very quickly. None of those challenges were difficult. It was very clear every time. Like, these, the, the, the Space Nine crew were not geniuses figuring out this stupid fucking game. And the game had no real rules. And, and you didn't... The point of having a game, which we'll get into my judging, the point of having a game and using your characters, especially a group of characters, and especially doing it in the first season of a show, is to use it to show, to, to demonstrate the character or history, or background, or something uh, something of your characters. Like, it's how you reveal if one of them is claustrophobic. It's how you reveal mm. if one of them uh, has a trauma, that, or one of them, you know, is really good at a thing. It's how you, like, reveal character traits and, like, special expertise. It's a, It would have been a really great episode to just get more insight into the specific characters by giving them like a, a challenge that sort of bespoke to them as a character. Mm. And that's totally wasted on some bullshit shoots and ladders. Alamorain. Move along home. Yeah. What did you like and dislike about this episode? Um, a lot of the beats will be the same as yourself. I, I liked the idea of the Jake Ben stuff more so than maybe the execution, right. but it was lovely to have character moments. Uh, Odo is great in this episode. Um, and especially that don't call me constable, knowing full well that well, if you don't like being called constable, Odo, you're going to have a bad seven years. Right, right. Um, Quark is excellent. I actually thought props to follow. He manages to camp up his sinister without going too much. Yeah, I mean, you know? they had him in stupid fucking makeup and stupid. Just, I mean, the whole look of it was. I mean, yeah, to your point, they didn't have a lot of money, but. Um... I mean, they could have done the thing that Deep Space Nine did in later seasons where they didn't have money, which is that, like, you made the game, like, it's like a, it's like a, it's happening on an abandoned station. Like, the station is suddenly, it's a simulation of the, of the station. Like, that's how you can, that's how you can save the money and then spend it on. Have you read my notes? Ooh, okay, okay, okay. I have, okay, so I'm already clear that we have very different interpretation so we got to dig into that um for those of you listening that you sensed an audio change in 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 
my audio. I just realized I had my microphone facing backwards, so I don't know how the first half of that sounded. You may have gotten it on Zoom. Um, we're st- this is early. This is like early D Space Nine. We're still figuring things out, so apologies exactly, if yeah. that sounded nuts. Um, and we'll be right back after this break to uh, set our phasers to zhuzh. Hi, gay. Do you like Star Trek? Do you like gay? Well, then you might want to join the Star Trek Zhuzh Orations fan community over at patreon.com slash Star Trek Zhuzh. Z-H-U-Z-H. Why would you want to do that? Well, one, you think that Sean and or I are pretty, and you would like to lift us out of abject poverty. Or because you really like this podcast and you want to help support it and keep it afloat by allowing us to afford the administrative expenses of doing it. Or you just want some exclusive content. So what's exclusive content on the Star Trek Jujurations Patreon? That is your ability to get the episode before anyone else. You can also see the video recording of us doing the episode where we wear our Starfleet uniforms, me, my single Next Generation Command uniform, and Sean rotating through his collection of probably about 359 different uniforms which is currently the number of uniforms on screen between Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and Star Trek Picard, because apparently uniforms are custom to your design now. You can also have direct interaction with us with Ask Me Anythings that will hold, a weekly live event where we will be watching the episode that we are going to review, and even your ability to participate by helping us choose the next episodes on the podcast. So if you like gay, and you like Star Trek, and you like supporting independent creators and writers who are trying to do their thing, head on over to patreon.com slash Star Trek Zhuzh, Z-H-U-Z-H, and find a membership tier that works for you. In fact, I'm going to throw in a sweetener. If you sign up for our biggest tier, the most exclusive tier, which is our commander tier, for three months, I will give you a fourth month for free if and only if you direct message me on Patreon and tell me what this is. Do, 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 See you on the Patreon. Welcome back, and Alan Moraine to all of you. Uh, we are going to judge this episode, and since this is Sean's episode, he gets the first crack. What do you got for us? Okay, well, so I'm actually keeping most of the coda and Act 1 as it is, um, because I'm very conscious of last week I blew my entire season's budget in one go. So I'm being really, <laughs> really, really conscious about budget in this one, but I think I've got a good, a good direction this can go in. Um, so... So the Wadi is a fleet of uh, starships. They're going to attack Earth. Exactly. Um, Sela has to come in. All of it done with live action models. (laughs) um, models. Because I really want to make a lot of hard work for ILM and getting there. Right. Uh, And there's a time travel aspect to the wormhole. The original Enterprise comes through. We have William Shatner back. Uh, Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I love this. We're on the same page. It's brilliant. Cool. (laughs) Um, Right. Okay. So basically right up to the moment where Cisco wakes up in the game as is. Okay. 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 Then, however, similar to Empok Nor, we're going to be on the empty station. So we're going to save a lot of money in the this week. But I think you take what you know, and that makes it slightly creepier. Um. Right. So, I literally have notes written here. Save on all of the alien makeup. We're going to get a fair amount of Cardassians. Don't get rid of your extras. Get rid of your promenade. Get rid of all of them. I want Cardassians in this episode. Right. We're going to start uh-huh. off in ops. And there is a raging party happening. So a bit similar to the room with the gas. Um, So partying like crazy, ignoring them completely, but sort of shuffling them toward the center of ops where the table should be, but the table isn't there. All around them, there's this kind of like deep booming, uh, like a drum in the background or like industrial sounds. That's kind of the backdrop to everything that's happening. And with camera trickery, I want to do an awful lot of, like, make the room look cavernous. Um, you could do that kind of fisheye lens, just to kind mm-hmm, of make mm-hmm, it make mm-hmm. it seem a lot bigger than it is. Make ops seem a lot taller. Like, the office is much further away than it actually is. Really play with perspectives in this bit. Really dial okay. up the, what is going on? Because in my version script, we're not going to visit quarks. So once oh. we're in the game, we're in the game. Okay. So... Uh, yeah, camera. Da, 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 da. 
Central table is gone. There is your Alamorain board. The Alamorain has to stay. I'm sorry. There's, there is no move along home without the Alamorain song. Right? Um, so, but this time, rather than just get across the thing, it's going to be like the floor is too hot. A bit, bit like that game, the floor is lava. The floor is too hot mm-hmm. to touch. You have to go on the Alamorain board and it's forcing them toward the transporter because, you know, the transporter's in ops. So, yes. what you have then is all of these faces... They are Cardassians on one side of the room and Bajorans on another side of the room. And the laughter starts to become shouting and screaming at each other. Like you still you still have everyone just kind of confused moving along the Alamorain board. They stop and look around and there's players in front of them and behind them that are kind of almost conga-ing them towards the transporter. The dance, the dance brings the transporter, as you know, as they stand up there, they as Trek does, they're like, well, maybe we can beam out of here because they don't realize they're in a game yet, but we can beam out of there. As one, everyone in the room turns to look at them, shouts, move along home. A firing squad takes aim. The transporter starts to go and they vaporize Bashir. Yeah. End of Act 2. So, because Act 1 being the same as it is. So this is going to be a darker uh-huh. episode, right? Yeah. 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 So they've beamed down to the promenade. So you have your standard moment of, hey, but you're dead. What the hell? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, they then, it it seems as though it's going to be shot and filmed as if they've met the prophets. You know, that kind of, that heartbeat sound. Yeah, um, and the, the white light. Yeah, yeah. Cisco is told that he has left his path. Dax is told that she's going to fail the legacy of the symbiont. And Kira is told that she's just lost another friend to the Cardassians. Um, the prophets then freeze. So does the promenade. Literally, ice starts to blow. And in term- in ice, I mean, it's Hollywood. Someone's standing there with a fire extinguisher. Uh, right, right, right. And, you know, that freezes over. The noise goes up to 90, as, as loud as we can get away with. Uh, it's going to be a real assault on the senses. Um, obviously they're going to be the same sounds of screams sounds of chasing um, erupting into flames so your fire then, your fire then comes out of your standard you know rocks and flames everywhere pushing them mm-hmm. toward the turbo lift the doors open Bashir appears behind them dressed in his best 90s dead look so you know that where he's got a little bit of rouge on his cheeks and you know he's, somebody's oh, messed right, up his right, hair right, and, right, oh right. he's dead yeah right right and he's like come with me and grabs them, pushes them all, and they all go down the turbo lift. Mm. End of Act Three. Tower of Terror, uh, haunted house. Space Night. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Act Four. They land in the ore processing unit. Now it's mm. the ore processing unit as it was under the occupation. You have screaming and broken Bajorans lying all over the place, and as they're looking to try and find a way out, the doors open, and Sure, who do you think is going to walk in? We saved our money because we're paying for Marco Limo to arrive in this week's episode. Um, Now, and he walks out holding a miniature Chula game. So he's holding it in his hand. And that's our, that's really our first main, well, obviously, apart from the fact that we're not stupid, we realize it probably is the Wade, but the connection to this game. Um, Now, speaking as only Marco Limo can speak, move along home, Commander. How will I do that? Sacrifice one that everyone else might live. Uh, standard Trek refusal. Um, mm-hmm. Then Ducat smiles and says, of course, Ducat turns and kills Dax. Ducat then goes basically full devil and, you know, kind of, you know, you are in hell. There's flames all around them. Kira rigs the ore processing unit to blow up massive white light. The Wadi are all applauding. This has been their version of the holodeck. Their version mm-hmm. of the holodeck, their Chula, it pulls from your own memories and imagination. So you've got Kira's memories of the occupation. You've got the imagination of what Ducat could actually be. And then you have a little bit of Wolf 359 in Cisco's head as well. Dax, pick whatever memory you like. And you have Bashir's fears of everything all get put into this one thing. They're all mm-hmm. badly shaken. The what I say that they were great fun and they're going to move along home like basically just to get that episode in there so and that is it so right. it's kind of Star Trek does horror a little bit so we still get it's still a game okay. it's still you know there's still we then find out there's actually no stakes 
but right, it's right. a bit more of a salt on the senses. Um, we lose the kind of comedy element of Quark because I think one of the big problems with this episode is the pacing is all over the place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, I didn't love the Quark... Um, um, please, please. It was like... It was the same. It was like the the director gave the same note to him that he gave to Kira, which was like, "Go, just go for it, baby." Like, just it, it was too. It was too much. Mm. But I did like that it showed Quark. Like it gave Quark a non. Like it showed the first humanity of Quark. Yes, absolutely. You know, so it I did. did like that. So okay, so I like this. I like it. You know, you kept the game. You kept the Wadi. You kept first contact. You kept. You just made. You saved the budget so you could get Ducat, who's always a welcome addition to any D Space Nine episode, uh, by getting rid of the Wadi's like special magic, you know, uh, playhouse, and made it more. And yeah, kept it on the station. I do think this is certainly, in my view, that is a perfectly producible episode. Yes, it's gonna be the first uh, one I've suggested that's actually hey. producible. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no! I thought Subrosa was producible, and sure leave. It was just—it was just the last one. Um, yeah, I like that. So mine is fairly similar. Noted differences, but mine's fairly similar because I also wanted to. I didn't want to break the format. It's still a first contact. It's still the Wadi. It's still a game. Hmm. Um, I I originally put it. So I'm not putting it on the station. Okay. I am still keeping sort of a bizarre world game. Um, I'm just really... T- this is this is now, again, where Jack's just tweaking around the edges. Cool. So, okay. I am not keeping... A, I'm keeping most of the first act like you as well, the teaser in the first act. I am not keeping the... Um, I'm keeping the Ben-Jake stuff. But I'm changing the topic of conversation to be less about, like, girls and more about the whole, like, Nog influence thing. Because I thought that was a great storyline through most through the early years of Deep Space Nine of sort of, like, Nog's a bad influence. And I want it to be sort of like a... And you can use the, the you know, have it that Nog is having Jake, you know look at women that way or mm. Nog, Nog is the influence where Jake is and, and Ben is sort of noticing this and trying to tell him about like Ferengi's he doesn't like you know and we've seen it in other episodes but he doesn't like you hanging around Nog and we can kind of have like a you know Jake's not all Ferengi's sort of this and that that's not who that's not who Nog is you know that might be other Ferengi's that you've dealt with but that's not who Nog is I know Nog I hang out with Nog and that setting up a little conflict between the two of them you know and because quite frankly, this is a way in which Star Trek is, you know, has a blind spot towards its own racism in a way, is that they treat entire species as a monolith. All Klingons are this, all Romulans are this. Yeah. And you occasionally get, like, the rando, like, but I'm the one that's different, rather than having, like, a diversity of thought. And they, now, Deep Space Nine did a great job by the end oh, of overall, doing yeah, that yeah, with, overall, with yeah. the Klingons and the Ferengis. But in the beginning, there was a lot of like, and you know, TNG did it too. All Ferengis are um, shifty hucksters that aren't as smart as our, you know, main cast. Uh, nefarious and amoral and all of that. Anyway, so you set up that that it's, that it's um, the theme that I want to set up to this is it's words over actions. That actions speak louder than words. That is okay. the that is the theme of the episode, and it's you know, um, so we're setting that up with Jake and Ben about talking about Nog and like you know Jake's like I hang out with Nog. I know who Nog is. You know, I'm friends with Nog. You can't tell me who my friends are. Blah blah blah. So same time, you know, we got you know we know that the Wadi are coming. It's it's a big event because it's the first first contact from the Gamma Quadrant. Um, they show up when they we get a scene on Ops first, and this is important because it sets up what's going to happen later. Which is that we get some note from Kira or Dax, or we give Dax a line um, that when the Wadi approach, they are doing a very detailed scan of the station, and it's uh it's something they hadn't it's in a in a way that's like off and not standard like it's very detailed it's very and maybe even we see it sometimes star trek does that like wash of light where they're like you know scanning the whole ship you know they do that so we see that 
And it's like, Ben sort of brushes, like he makes a note about it, but it seems strange. Like, well, maybe this is just, you know, this is a first contact for them too. And they need to know us, you know, make sure, you know, no weapons, no shields, everything, you know, we're friendly, we're friends, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they make contact. The Wadi on the screen seem disinterested. Hmm. Like they're not, they're just, they, they, Ben, they're, they're all pomp and circumstance on the op side, and all in dress uniforms, you know, we're so happy to meet your acquaintance. And Wadi's like, yeah, 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 okay, whatever. And they're all kind of like, okay. So then they dock, they come aboard, and the whole time it's this sort of like, it's almost similar to, um, we, we've already talked about this episode, funny enough, but uh, TNG's liaisons, where like the the the, the people that they meet are being like weirdos. So it's it's the same. It's like, they just don't really give a shit. Maybe they throw a state dinner in the in the wardroom. They just, they're bored. They're not paying attention. They're not offering anything. They finally get to Quark's after the the dinner. Ben and Jadzia and, and Bashir, Kira, they're all there. You know, they're having little comments about like, I don't know what it takes to impress these fucking people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, whatever. So they get to Quark's. Uh, Quark is being Quark. He's like, he wants to introduce them to Dabo. And he makes some comment about like, you know, I always love people who don't, you know, my favorite players of Dabo are people who don't know the game. You know, like, I want to cheat these fucking people. And Ben gives him, you know, Cisco gives him a warning, like, don't. And of course, Quark can't resist. So they play the game. The Wadi are having a good time. And they're making comments about, so the staff is playing with them. And like, and we can even have a moment where like Ben is like, you're giving us credits to do this because we like we're not we're not paying money for this. Yeah, like you're yeah. letting you're letting us do this. You owe me. So the staff, you know, has unlimited whatever to play. So they're not really at risk. And the Wadi make comments about that. Like, well, you have not you have nothing to lose here. You know, what does this mean to you? You have nothing to lose here. And the Wadi are making comments about like you know Jadzia, like you know Kira's more of a risk taker. Bashir is more of a this. Jadzia is more of a this. And they're really like. This is the most they've been engaged the entire time. They're really, like, breaking down people by how they play the game. Mm. And, like, learning. They catch Quark cheating. And it finally, and it erupts in a way that's just, like, you know, they've been disinterested. Now they're kind of interested. And now they're fucking furious. And they, like, you go to Quark. See, this is who you are. This is who you are. Words, 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 words. This is who you are. And they storm off. And go back to their ship. Ben is furious at Quark. You know, they they don't know what to do. And we're really getting the sense that it's like these people, like, you know, they don't trust they don't trust you. They don't know you until they see how you behave. Mm. It's nothing about, you know, all this. And so that's why all the diplomatic stuff is falling flat. All the conversations are flat. So they go back to the ship. Um, um, they, they, you know, they they go up to ops, they call them again, they're being like, you know, we're sorry about the misunderstanding, you know, Quark is not representative of the Federation, you know, blah, 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 and they're talking, and, um, the Wadi, Wadi again are just like, you know, it's talk, 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 um, uh, and they hit some button, some comp panel on their bridge, there's a flash, and the people who were at the Dabo table are now in the game. Because how the Wadi right. do first contact is they put you through a, a test to truly know you. They want to truly know these people. And so that gives us our way of sort of like learning the character. Also, um, so Odo is called because the senior staff have disappeared. You know, the ship is now not like the Wadi are not responding. They have shields up. They don't know. You know, Odo is trying to figure out where they've gone. Um they eventually re- so we we still have a game. They play a game. It's more dangerous. I don't have the specific beats of the game, but it's clear that it is like you can get hurt. Um, maybe someone gets you know maybe Jadzia does get her like leg, you know, trapped or whatever. But the point of the game, as they find out, is that there is the 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 head person of the Wadi, hmm. un- like to them to the people in the game. That person is in danger. They're either in a room where there's fire or there's been an explosion or air is running out. There's something where they are in danger and they're seeing what they will, like, will they 
what are they going to, are they going to try to rescue the person? Would they leave them be? Would they, and that's sort of like, that's how they're judging their character. Like, what will you do in a crunch? And, and, and we'll have, you know, sort of like a, you know, Jadzia's hurt and she can't continue. And she tells them like, it's, you know, go, it's more important. I'll, uh, you know, leave me. And it's all of these things of like showing the true character of these people and what they'll do and that they'll sacrifice themselves to save someone else. And that is then what repairs the relationship. But the B story, what's going on behind, is they figure out, because they finally get back in touch with the Wadi, they figure out that they're in this game, they're doing this simulation, and, you know, Odo is furious, you know, you can't do this, you know, this and that. And they they say, well, um, if you would like to, if you would like to participate uh, and show us the challenges that you would like them to accomplish, you know, you know, you, you want to show us who you are, show us who you are. And Odo begrudgingly enlists Quark, the expert resident on games, to help set up obstacles that Quark knows these people could figure out. And it plays to what he knows about Dax, to what he knows about Bashir. And it gives Quark that sort of like, like, yeah, I, I'm not being totally nice. Like, I'm putting these people through hell. Mm. But I know they'll be okay. Like I, they got it. They got it. You're like I, I know these. I, I, we've been together for a couple months. Like I, they can, they're Starfleet. They'll figure it the fuck out. And we get. That's where we can still give Quark his humanity in that he's kind of. You see, you think, especially through Odo's reactions, that like you're making them do what? Like you know, uh, and Quark's and Quark's just very much like, buddy, they got this. Uh, you know, and so you can you can see. Quark, you think maybe Quark is like uncaring, but actually he is masterminding to make sure nothing truly happens to them. Um, and then they to toe so you don't get a broken foot, that kind of way. Right, right. And that gives Quark his humanity. That gets a game played. By the end, they do, do not rescue the Wadi person in the game, but they've done everything they possibly can to do it. And so when the game is over, the Wadi are, now we know, we know who you are. We know who you are, you know. Right. And to give, a, uh, to, to try to give a, a, um, a tidbit of the original episode and the thing that is so, so um, key about it is uh, that the, the, the ceremony of what they do for First Contact, this sort of game tournament play, is called the Alamorain. Ah, I like it. You right. still got to keep the so Alamorain in there somewhere, so that works for me. Somewhere. No song, no hopscotch, no none of that. But uh, that would be my zhuzhing I like of it. this episode. So, so yeah, so you, so it keeps the essence of the episode in the... It's still, the, as Bashir said, it's still the kind of rats in a maze kind of thing. Um, right. But it's... And they're aware of it, but they don't... Yeah. They have to find out in it that, like, you'll have... It's almost similar to Shore Leave, where it's like... It takes McCoy getting killed for them to be like, oh shit, no wait, like stuff can happen here. Yeah, stuff can happen here. So we'll have you know those sort of moments and, and that sort of stuff. But yeah, okay. Keep the game. Keep the first contact. Keep Quark. Keep a con- like. I, I think I've kept. I don't think I've shunted everything except that fucking song. Um, <laughs> but maybe because I didn't plan out what the new games are. The games have to be different because the games were so stupid and easy. It's kind of, did you see the first Harry Potter movie where at the very end, um, there's like the the chess game and Ron like sends yes. himself to get like sacrificed, like that level of stuff where it's like, maybe even through it, like we lose a character each time um, to give ourselves yeah, those sort sure. of add, add stakes. Yeah. So I didn't plot out exactly what the games are, but they also have to be. I, I like I like they walked into that room and then they start coughing and everyone's drinking. It's like oh, drink the thing. Like it's just like this is, and Memory Alpha described it as like oh, it's so Lewis Carroll. It's like mm, it, it's not. It really is not. It's it's not even arguably like I've had nearly thirty years to sit in this and mine doesn't go far enough to call it Lewis Carroll. Right. I'll I'll say that mine is more. I kind of went Dante's Inferno with mine. I think what you could do with that. Um, so, yeah, get rid of the coughing room. Have it that, like you said, that the audience doesn't figure it out in two seconds. Make it, like, basically an escape room. Ooh, you know, yes, that's basically what it is. That's exactly it. It's an escape room, which I love to do on a first date or a second date. I like to do an escape room on a second date because it's similar to the Wadi. I want to see how you act under pressure. How do you treat these strangers when you're trying to figure out a puzzle? Like, 
How do you talk to people? First date, and you don't like the person, escape room is a terrible idea. Second date, you know well enough that you want to see them a second time. We go out. How how are you going to treat me when we're under pressure? How are you going to talk to me? (laughs) Right, yeah. Uh, Because I went on one with someone who was like, all right, idiots, everyone shut up. Like, I got this. And I'm like, ooh, I know exactly who you are now. (laughs) This is not going well. But no, it's the escape room. And maybe even, I'm thinking about it in real time, maybe we don't, maybe instead of building this weird fantasy world, we build the Wadi ship. And they think for a while that they've been transported to the Wadi ship and there's been a massive, like, issue. And so they have to, they're, they're on the Wadi ship trying to rescue the Wadi people. And that's the game instead of like fantasy world. Yeah. And we give them like real time, like got to get this force field down, got to redirect kind of like how, you know, um, Riker and data work through the ship in disaster. Like got to stop this, this got to break this circuit, got to do that. And we lose someone each time. Um, Mm. yeah. So that is our, our judging of move along home. Um, I think my opinion of that is that it didn't take very much to improve the episode. I think it's, there is a solid base there. They were hampered by a few things. The the lack of budget shows in the episode as presented, I yeah. think. Um, and I think it's much more sinister than they played it. And and the game was also lit. It had that like TV lighting, which which I, I excuse on Next Generation because everything was lit that mm. way. But on Deep Space Nine, like... They filmed the station. They lit the station very brooding. Like, there were moments in, like, quarters where there was only, like, two strips of light coming through. And, like, like they played more with lighting in Deep Space Nine. So I don't understand why they didn't play more with lighting here. Why it was just, like, a flat mm. exposure, everything just bright. So it didn't seem scary. Yeah. They tried to do it with a couple weird camera angles, but I don't know. And it's like you said as well, you said David Carson. Sure, David Carson, yesterday's Enterprise, Generations, and yeah. Emissary. Like, what happened here? It kind of feels like maybe he had done all those, got right. tired. Well, he hadn't done Generations yet at that point, but got tired and then was just like, ah, here is some dudes with some face paint. Go on ahead. Right. Now. Sorry, David Carson, if you're listening to this now and going, that is not at all what happened. So we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear what the experience was on so the set. So we've learned David Carson needs a budget to excel. David Carson needs a budget to excel. Hi, gay. Do you like sex? Do you like gay? Then you might like my other podcast that I currently co-host with J.J. Bozeman called Dying Alone Together. What do we do on Dying Alone Together? Well, we talk about uh, dating and sex and relationships in New York City. You can hear fun stories like the time J.J. got into a windowless van to jerk off with a Hasidic Jewish person. You can also hear about my time in Fire Island where I woke up in a man's bed covered in my own diarrhea. Or how about J.J.'s handy medical tips, including his homeopathic remedy for anal fissures, which includes syringes and raw eggs. So if you like me on this podcast and you think I'm funny and you want to hear more about my horrific dating and sex life in New York City, join us over wherever you listen to, well, this, at Dying Alone Together. Guests include RuPaul's Drag Race's own Britta Filter and Honey Davenport, legendary drag icon Sherry Vine, and we do actually have non-drag guests, which include HBO Max's The Minx's Oscar Montoya and your very own Sean Farrick, who joined us for a very special episode. So if you like gay and you like sex, you are going to love Dying Alone Together. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So this is the point of the show where we would talk about... Um, what you thought of our previous zhuzhing. So make sure you're interacting exactly. with us on Instagram and all of the things. But Jack has censored every single message that's come through. Please send help, send help. Oh, no. <laughs> I take no criticism. Uh, all of our ideas are perfect. <laughs> but uh, until we have that feedback, um, it's time to announce next week's episode. I'm positively... Horny with anticipation, Jerk. What do you have? Horny with me? anticipation. That's uh, that's the name of my memoir. So, okay, we have talked. Speaking of horny, we have talked. There's an episode that has been sort of referenced throughout our our time here on Star Trek: Generations. Oh, it's, it's been it's brought up a couple times. Um, uh, it's a series that we haven't tackled yet, and I think is. Full of episodes that need judging. This is just probably the most judgeable. And so I, I was very tempted to pick this episode because it seems inevitable. And Sean, 
Yes. Sean, while I would love, while I would love nothing more than to spend an hour with you breaking that warp barrier and having forbidden lizard sex, I con- I honestly feel personally attacked by your previous choices, and so I have no choice but to take you up that long ladder, baby. Fiddly fucking D, you Irish fuck. Fiddly fucking D! We going up the long ladder! Oh, we going all the way wow. up that long ladder, baby! Nice misdirect. Yes. Nice misdirect. I thought we were going to take this podcast to Salamander no, Speed. No, okay. no, no. No, we right. washing feet. We going to wash some feet, Sean. We going to that cargo bay and washing feet with these Irish fucks. Yes. Star Trek hates Irish people. Star Trek hates Irish people. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> I see. I see. I see what this what this relationship is. <laughs> Fiddly fucking okay. D. Oh, I cannot wait. I do not remember anything. Right. The only the only things I remember about this episode are there are goats in the cargo bay. Someone washes someone's feet. There's a lady in a midriff. No idea what it. There's also a massive right to life message in the episode. Don't remember that one. Don't remember that. Uh, uh, we're transporting uh, Irish colonists. Star Trek had a weird TNG, especially because we've already done Sabrosa with the weird Scottish colony, where it's like for some reason this yeah. like cultural group, and they did it with the, the Native American planet in season seven, Journey right? End. Where it's yeah. like they, t- it's weird. It's like in the twenty fourth century, we really just take like a pocket of Earth culture and say, "You get a planet, and you get a planet." Is this fucking Oprah? Like, what are we doing? It's weird. Oh, and by it's the way, and by the way, you know, it, maybe that's why conservatives or Republicans like Star Trek, because there are these weird episodes where it's like, we just went back to basics and we're all white Irish people and we get our own planet. Yay. Maybe that's why. I don't know. There are these weird episodes where it's like, mm. like, oh, and then, and then when they try to do it with a non-white culture, we get something like Code of Honor, which we got to stay far away from. Woof. <laughs> Didn't happen. Yeah. No, we can't. We can't pretend it didn't happen. We can only do better. Right. All right. So join us next week. Where All we, right. Up the long ladder. We did shoots and ladders today. We going up the long ladder next week. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, I have been your filled with trepidation host, Sean Ferrick, and I may or may not be here next week. <laughs> They're always after me, Lucky Charms. All right. We will see you next week. Thanks, everybody. From my ready room to yours. Uh, have a great week. Star Trek Jojurations is not endorsed by CBS, Viacom, Paramount Pictures, or any of their subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. The Star Trek The Next Generation main title, and is done so under U.S. copyright for fair use for parody.